welcome to Comp Day, the podcast supporting young professionals of color. I'm Dre, your host. I'm really excited about this episode. I say that pretty much every episode because they're all dope as hell. But um, this episode is around POC spaces, so people of color spaces, only spaces. Why or why not? Do we open them up for other, for white folks? Or do we not open them up for white folks? Or if there's specific groups, depending on the specific group, do we open it up to even other people of color? Um, so just to give context, a lot of these spaces have been created informally and formally to create safe spaces for communities that necessarily did never had spaces before or not within the mainstream. Um, so I want to start by before going into it is actually highlighting some people for employee of the day. And I have a few folks that to discuss specifically the spaces that they've created for a specifically, um, queer people of color in New York City. So I'm going to start with Eli Owen. He started Trappy Hour. It's on Thursday nights in Harlem, and it's dedicated really for um, gay and bi black men or um, Latino men of color to come and just gather in Harlem. And Harlem is really traditionally a community where black gays have been for the past, like, 80 years, 80 to 100 years. So it's really good to have that space. I also want to shout out Muhammad, Oscar, and Adam, who are the founders of Poppy Juice, which is a Brooklyn event dedicated to um, gay and trans and lesbian people of color um, to come together in Brooklyn. for a very, It's a very, very inclusive event. It's really fun. It happens monthly. Um, and then the last one I want to highlight is the Gay Latino Collective, and that is a group that's not nightlife, but they meet up within New York City, and it's about um, to gather just to talk about issues that pertain to the Latino community, and it's very inclusive as well, and they have um, they have happy hours at times, and they also have um, panels, as well as just um, open talks. So <clears throat> I want to introduce my two guests. Um, so this episode is to show that our community, um, regardless of if we share the same identity, we do have diversity in opinion and sometimes even experience and perspective. And we're not a monolith. So I'm a gay black man, and I brought two black gay men as well. Oh, my God, look Um, at that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to let them introduce themselves by stating um, their name. Um, I guess they don't have to talk about how they identify anymore, Um, but, like, what they do for a living. So, who wants to start? Okay. Um, my name is Peter Redmond. Um, I live here in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, during the day, I work for a tech company. And uh, off hours, I help tell stories about uh, food uh, on my Instagram, Carry On Eats. Uh, I also write for a queer food journal called Jari. Uh, so, food is definitely a passion of mine. Um, and, uh, yeah, just happy to be here with you guys. Thank you, Peter. And I am Sean Anthony Bryan. I am from Westchester, New York. Um, and as well, I also work for a tech company uh, doing operations. And by night and by passion, I am a creator, um, actor, model, um, writer as well. So let's just snap into it. I'm trying to tell queer stories, and I'm here to show some queer love. Amen to that. Amen. That's right. <laughs> It's always great to be a Amen, and a woman. Yes, okay. <laughs> Heard that. So, um, so actually, Sean and Peter are going to be um, supporting two different arguments. So, Sean will be supporting the argument for people of color only spaces, and Peter will be supporting um, the to have people of color spaces be more open to groups outside of people of color. Um, So for listeners to kind of follow along with us, there are two articles that really guide this conversation. One is by The Arrow, and the article was posted on August 9th, 2018, by Kelsey Blackwell called Why People of Color Need Spaces Without White People. And then the other article we are going based off of is by Multiracial Media, Voices of Multiracial Community. And the article is called, What's Up with People of Color Only Spaces and Refusing to Educate White People? Okay. So where I want to start by is asking you both, 
Oh, and before I start this, this is not about employee resource groups, ERGs. Um, employee resource groups are dedicated to supporting people of color in the workplace. However, they are open to have allies and they have a specific structure and formula to them. So this is not th about this. This is about informal people of color gatherings as well as some, I have a, my, my boo thing at work, Tanika, she calls it meeting at the water cooler. That's what that is. Okay. So when we meet at the water cooler <laughs> yes. as people of color to gather to talk about white folks and our experiences. Yes. Like, is it a real water cooler? Do we even have those? <laughs> <laughs> The LaCroix station, perhaps. Okay, the I know. fridge. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, blacks the cold love station. LaCroix. I don't know why. I, I was like, why the blacks love LaCroix? I don't know, girl, something about that. Yeah. The grapefruit yeah. sparkling just. I know. He's really just be hitting. <laughs> Look, me take ting any day. Okay. <laughs> yes. Grapefruit to sour up my lips. Yes. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you both, how, what does pe people of color spaces mean to you? How do you identify that for yourselves? Hmm. Well, we're talking about, like, people of color spaces in general. Yes. Well, I think – well, I mean, I, I guess I can kind of go into it. I mean, I think it's really important for those spaces, and I think it, it brings a level of comfortability that a lot of people of color have. It brings that out a lot more, you know what I'm saying, as far as when we talk about having um, spaces where white people also there are white – or heavily dominated by white people. It's like there's a different energy that I think innately happens with when we're in these spaces, right? So when you're in a, in a space that's predominantly of color, there's just, like I said before, there's certain comfortability, the, the energy is different than when you take that those people of color in a space that's predominantly white, it's a different, everybody's going to have a different level of energy and, and comfortability because there's a sense of, like, who's watching, right? I feel like mm -hmm. there's always, like, a sense of, like, what is going on? And that's why I think it's also important that we have those spaces um, per, for people of color. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, you answered. Okay. No, no, it's, it's, you answered it. This is a, more of an objective question. Okay. So it's more about what it means to you. How do you identify? Because everyone yeah. has different definitions for the spaces, right. even though they, the spaces are right. alive. Yeah. So how about you, Peter? I would say for me, um, <clears throat> people of color or POC spaces – uh, it could be it, – it's really broad, right? It could be anywhere from, you know, going to a concert or going to a specific group or a party or event. Right. Um, it could be your apartment. You know, I've hosted several what I call black brunches and have all my friends come over and kiki and cook and have a good time. So they can be any type of setting. Um, but I think that the, the mission, of course, is to amplify, um, you know, black and POC people and bodies – um, so that we feel heard and we feel seen, we feel um, validated. Um, so that, to me, I would say is my definition for uh, a POC space. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the next question I'm going to have before we really go into this debate <laughs> is, um, how have your experiences been in in general POC spaces generally, and then spaces that are specifically black spaces, and then spaces that are for black queer people or black gay men as well mm -hmm. um i know it's all this is a lot <laughs> how <laughs> much time do we have again <laughs> we got time but i just wanted to um kind of clear up because i think um different spaces work differently for different people mm -hmm. so i don't want to just say oh all poc spaces work for me and that's like that's not necessarily true so there's some spaces black spaces that work for me and then not every black space works for me at all either mm -hmm. so um i just was kind of curious to kind of get both of your um perspectives on how spaces how have you been treated in spaces? How have you felt in these spaces? Were you validated? Were you not validated? And, and why? Yeah, that's actually really a good question. Um, I mean, for me personally, I feel the most validated and the most at ease, the most myself when I'm in predominantly black spaces. So when we talk about um, spaces like that, like Trappy Hour, that happens every Thursday at Harlem Nights, James Plug. And just to be clear, specifically... Um, queer black spaces or yes. just in general black queer queer black spaces so not straight black spaces so no because okay see now that is uh, <laughs> another kind of space uh, um, pump the brakes now you know what I'm saying so I think I think there's also that's that's totally different because I think when you're talking about like all black spaces right where it's dominated by um, straight people <laughs> girls get girl I'm tired like the, the girls get tired because it's just the you have, there's so many things that go into that too, right? Because now you have to think, okay, well, do I tone down my homosexuality? Like, do I, how gay can I be in this space? And so it's like, well, when back that ass up comes on, I really want to shake this ass, girl. But you know what? I got to be comfortable because 
you know, that might be seen as threatening, well, right, like for some people, and that's real. I like to go with a group usually, um, right. so I can back that ass up. So, like, you know if I'm at saying? La Nina or if I'm at um, Bob Bar, right. if I got a group of gays or oh, a group of people, course. then they not, because they not, Squat they're up. afraid. They're like, oh, they, they can hurt me. Mm-hmm. But, like, if I'm by myself, then I'm like, uh. Right. But that's the real, that's the real thing. <laughs> and I'm sure, like, you've probably experienced the, oh, the totally. same as well, right? Yeah, and, I mean, there there's layers to this, and I'm so glad yeah. that you mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, we as people are not a monolith. We right. all have all these varying experiences, and I, I think Poppy Juice is a really great, yes. um, you know, uh, event that you mentioned. I love, I love, you know, Mo and Oscar and all of them, and um, I think that that's a really great um, product of mm. of what they've created of community, and it, it just feels so genuine. Um, my personal experience with POC spaces has been so varied because um, mm. I actually grew up in a mostly white household. Okay. Um, so, you know, being in mostly POC spaces, it's always been trying to figure out, well, am I different now because of what, you know, the dynamic I have at home is? Mm. Um, my first experiences was probably being in the black church. Um, I have family in the South, and that is an entirely, as we all know, <laughs> unique <laughs> experience. And, you know, there is a lot of um, you know, a lot of discrimination. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of, you know, it's not necessarily the most comfortable environment for me personally. Mm. Um, but I have, you know, sucked it up. I've gone there. I have been there. Um, I've had my own journey with that. Um, going to public school, um, you know, of course, I had the black table and, you know, I didn't sit at the black table because it was really weird. My personal school, I feel like everybody was like somehow cousins of each other. <laughs> and I was not their cousin, so I didn't sit with them. <laughs> So it was kind of shut out in those spaces. Mm. And, and moving from you know, the suburbs um, to, to, to Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, was, you know, it doesn't get much more POC than that. Of course, this was six, seven years ago. Right. Um, and... You know that was an adjustment for me then, and 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 finding my own POC queer community now. Um, so it's an ever evolving journey being in in black, you know, dominated spaces. Um, and I don't think it's a, a singular journey for for anyone really. Yeah, and I think, and I'm so glad you brought up Poppy Juice too because that I feel like that is such a moment. Like they have done it so beautifully, and I'm so happy that it's gotten so big. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they pack at... What was that venue that they last had it at? They had no, it at... Nowhere. Where, where was it? Nowhere. I don't... I, elsewhere. 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 Mm-hmm. elsewhere. I love mm-hmm. Elsewhere, With the yeah. rooftop and oh. such a vibe. And India Moore was there last time <laughs> yes. I was there. And I was like, yes, girl. I wanted to say hi to her, but I was like, don't we have to be a groupie. Because yeah. maybe I'll meet her again in real life and be her friend. You so probably let me not will. do that. So let me not chase her ass. But, it, but they pack <laughs> it out. And we're thinking, it's what? Three, three, two, three floors? Mm-hmm. Two floors. It's in a lot of rooms. A lot of... All these goddamn rooms. And I love it. Different Every room DJs. Had a vibe. They had a little soca in one room. Yeah. And, they had, and then they yes. had some bachata in another room. Yes. And then they were yes. having some like, more techno in another yes. room. And, and this is the thing that I think is also important is, you know, there is no singular black experience. So, right. you know, when you're looking at Caribbean music and you're mm-hmm. looking at techno, you know, there there's so many... Uh, Variants mm-hmm. that that which blackness exists. So I think that that's just such a great example to 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 embody when you're thinking about POC spaces. And right. There's no just one. It's not just you know hip hop or rap or you know it's really it's it's diverse. Yeah. That's yeah. Like you know, Slush. that's real. And I like to go to different rooms sometimes. I'm like, I want to feel a little <laughs> tribe. I want to shake yeah. that ass. Right. And then I want to like. Kind of like you know, get my get my Jamaican on, yes. and then sometimes I want to you know just because my salsa on, I want my I want a little bit of my Latin blood to come out, yes. a little bit I got, and then sometimes I just want my pop on. I just want to you know, I just want to I want to get my college white girl off. <laughs> so like, okay. there's moments, there's, you know, there's she's a lot. Inside. <laughs> yeah, she's there. She needs to get. She needs love sometimes. You know, but um, I want to also okay so. So, Sean. Yes. So, I remember, because, okay, I know Sean through Dodgeball. Yes, ma'am. And, you know, we love our Dodgeballers, but there's, there's like, I want to say 20% people of color, and then- That's generous. And then more Asian. So, Asian's right. like 10%, and then the other 10% is everyone else who's not Asian. 
Fair. So okay. then we like to gather, and I remember there was one event we had that we gathered, the first brunch you organized. Yes. And there was one person, um, and I love them. It's not their, you know, they asked a really legitimate question. They right. were like, they dated one of the other white dodgeball, mm-hmm. dodgeballers, and they were like, hey, I actually would want to invite so-and-so to one of these events. Right. And then a couple was like, so well. <laughs> Uh, he can't come. So yeah, and and I want to kind of gain why, <laughs> right? Why we said that? Yeah. Why did we say? Why did you? Say, why did? Why was that? Um, the consensus answer. Um, are there certain reasons why that right. was appropriate? Right. Um, I, I mean, I think I I understand where that person was coming from, right? Because they want to share this really great moment in this space and this food and drinks and laughter with. You know, some of that they care about, right? They want to bring them into that space and, and show them and, and have them be a part of that moment. Um, I kind of felt like the consensus, uh, you know, obviously I'll, I'll speak for myself. I kind of I felt that way because, you know, we, we organize these spaces. And the reason why this is so important for us is, get, is that, you know, every day we face a different kind of discrimination or life, life is already hard itself being queer and a queer person of color. And we want to be able to, you know, let our hair down a little bit more, you know what I'm saying? And so that, that's what, that was the space for what, that's what the space is for. But, um, we really just kind of said no, just because girl, we don't want to deal with white people today. You know what I'm saying? If there's a choice for us to just not do it, girl, let's not do it. You know what I'm saying? And we don't have to, and we can create spaces where we don't have to like, think about white people like and that's all right and like that's okay and like there are thousands and billions of other days and moments and and places that his he can bring his partner or whatever boyfriend that he was with right so like that's why we were just like girl let us have this day like this these like once every like couple months i think we were trying to do it like let's just have this girl but he, you know, he you can text him and send pictures, let him know how it's going on, you know. <laughs> but like, just let us let let us have this for right now, and you know, he can do that later. So, Peter, how about you? How would you feel in that? Um, if you were in that situation in that moment, um, how would you? Um, what is your stance on that, and like why? Hmm. My stance on that is tricky, right? Um, if this is an environment where you know, other plus ones and, and, and partners are invited. Um, you know, I could see if this one, you know, white identifying person was singled out or left out, that that could feel, you know, tough or that could feel conflicting for them. Um, I do think that there's no there's no inherent harm in leaving white people out of the party for, you know, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. let's have this one day, right. this one experience, this one time. You know, it does. It doesn't need to be. When we look at inclusivity and we look at you know bringing people to the table, it, it's not going to be. We're not always going to to get it right. We're not always going to have everybody there that needs to be represented. And I think that's also important in looking at POC spaces and who are we leaving out? Um, because when we talk about going to to a gay club, for example, um, you know, you want to maybe have your black your black gays there but are you leaving out Mm. lesbians are you leaving out trans folk you know what sort of space are you setting up for people to feel um that they can show up and that Mm. they can be them their true selves as well um so you know i think that it's also important when we are setting up poc spaces that we're not getting ourselves into an echo chamber right because then it just becomes here we go again to just go complain about white folk and not do anything. Right. right we gotta right. we got we have to do things as well. It's important to have that moment of like, God, I just really need someone to complain to or, right. or you know, I working in tech have had many moments where I've had to just take a breather, walk outside, okay. when there are all of these, <laughs> you know, police shootings and killings that no one else is gonna get up from their desk and talk about and right. get upset about. Um so Coming back to your your point about you know not bringing that person into the into the equation, I get it. Sometimes you don't want to deal with it. I, I just would be mindful of not making it a a habit, you know, and not not making it a declaration. So you do host some brunches. I do. That you mentioned yes, and I would love to go. Um, <laughs> okay. Come on, girls um, love champ. Yeah, so okay. I'm excited. Just let me know when. But my question is, at these brunches, um, 
is that you know the article says um some of events one of the authors was saying these events are more fruitful when we're able to educate white people because separating them from us um doesn't do any help at your brunches um what's the dynamic like you know our feet do folks feel like they can bring their white friends or white partners um is that the environment that you encourage? And then let's say for folks who are there and they're like, why are these white people here? Like what, okay. what, what is your stance on that? Or like how, how do, how do you navigate that um, personally? Cause I think everyone has a preference on how they go about things and there is no wrong or right way per se, but I'm very curious as someone who does host these brunches, how you operate. Personally, I try to, um, you know, invite the people that I know are my allies. Mm. Um, and I have a, a particular friend, uh, that there are a couple actually, one is Latina and one, and no, her partner is white. Um, and I know that he shows up for her in, in ways that, um, are really important. Um, and you know, he, he, he's proven himself time and time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a person I trust. And I know that she trusts. So I have no issues with him being there. Right. Um, and I try to really form my spaces organically. So it's not so much like, oh, do I do I have to think about if I'm going to invite this person or leave this person out? You know, I, I try to keep a pretty um, – I try to keep a, a group around myself that um, if two people could could you know, be around each other, would there be conflicts? I, I really try to just be mindful of that in general mm. and not have people of like, well, I don't know if I would invite them to my house. Right. I, I try that's a hard fast rule of mine. Mm-hmm. If I can't invite you to my house to, then <laughs> where can I invite you okay. to <laughs> where can we take you, girl? So that's my, my personal preference, but you know, I it, it's different for everyone else. Sometimes people really have to um make a distinction. In, in where they are going to be in certain environments with people. So let's say in the scenario, we go to your brunch, Sean and I. Right. And then you have some folks, some white allies there. And let's say Sean gives you like the side eye or he's looking at folks like, why are they here? And then, you know, <laughs> Sean will run court as usual and be like, why are these, why are these white people here? here. And then how would you, um, how would you navigate that situation? How would you yeah. move through that? I'm not afraid to put people on blast. <laughs> okay. I'm, yes. I'm like, let's get the awkwardness out of, you know, out in the open. Let's and, talk you about know, it. Uh, sometimes I think I, my partner gets on me this uh, for uh, just sort of ripping the Band-Aid off. And I'm, I'm very direct. Um, and I get that from my my mother that raised me and she is white. Um, and, you know, you really got to get it out in the open. People are... People have their own um, intentions, right? And people have their own ways and how they try to manipulate situations. And, like, I, especially if this is going to be in my house, I, I'm not going to have anybody feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get that, you know, from the door. Like, you're going to either be here and act right or you know where the exit is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Absolutely agree. I mean, I think that, <clears throat> especially when it comes to, like, if, I like, and I know people like that, right? Who will walk into like, uh, you know, like a brunch, and they think, oh, "Okay, that's all the black girls gonna be here today." And then somebody's like, "Oh, what? Who invited <laughs> Chad? Like, who's what's going on here, girl?" Um, and I think there's definitely a sense of like, like do like the other people in the room maybe like you may have them, you may know them as this, you know, as a as an ally, right? And you know. For everybody else, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, Chad. Chad could have been <laughs> bullshitting around with these white people talking shit. Like, I don't know, like who this is. You know what I'm saying? And I think there's also, uh, to your point about being an ally too. I think Amanda Seals has this really great comment that like there's people who are white, and then people who happen to be white. white. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like one of those things. It's like if if you know that you benefit from white privilege, right? And you're at this table, and you know the black girls were having a brunch and you're with us, like, I think, and then conversa- certain conversations come up, I think, you know, white people need to keep their mouth shut and listen and do the whole thing, but, like, it, there's there's a, there's there's a certain kind of, um, what am I talking about? Certain kind of energy and, 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 and conversations that need to be happening um, at that brunch if a white person's going to be there, right? So, but, again, for me, like, that's the problem. Like, I don't want to have to have, like, conversations kind of be like curtailed because this white person's at the table that makes sense and i guess um and please let me know if i'm assuming or wrong 
I guess the way Peter, the way you would move through the event is that you want open dialogue to move forward a certain narrative on both sides. So if someone's like, let's say the girls are kikiing, right, and then like one of the allies is at the event and they're like, well, I don't really agree with that. And it sounds like there's a open, there's a space to have open dialogue because then it's like it's challenge is accepted in the space to really move forward so that the fo- someone is like. I really don't know or understand, but I also might not agree. And then there's some folks who are like, "Oh, oh, we gonna go there." And then it's not like a, it's not like we're arguing or anything. It's more like a, you know, literally a debate about, well, this is why I feel the way I feel, and this other person, this is why the way I feel, and they kind of like try to try to figure out where to meet. Mm-hmm. So is that correct? I'd say yeah, you're on the right path. Um, if you if you respect people, Absolutely. at the end of the day, you can always agree to disagree. Absolutely, um, and I think that that that's always key. And I, you know, I, I wanted to quickly mention that there's an article out in the Times. It's called "Forest Bias: um, Inside the New Social Spaces uh, for People of Color," and they mention two organizations. They're both kind of like social professional networking groups uh, for for Black folk. Uh, one is called Ethel Club. The other is called uh, Gentleman's Factory. They're both Brooklyn-based, if I recall correctly. I, d- I have heard of the yes. Gentleman's Factory. Isn't there, like, some type of key card? Or There's something? a membership. It's like, what? you know, it, you got to pay annual, uh, monthly, monthly dues. Um, but, you know, they're they're definitely trying to make their, their way um, and carve out a new space. And I think that's super important. But they both highlight that, you know, we have to support the mission of empowering and advancing people of color. Yes. Um, and white people can be there. If you're there and you're going to uplift, you know, more, you know, the more the merrier. Right. It's when you're not there to amplify and uplift and to invalidate or to question or to dilute. Right. You know, that that's where I think we got to pump the brakes and be like, uh, okay. And like, you're either here or you're not really here. Um, and I think it's important that we have white people in the space to help dismantle, you know, these powers of oppression. Um, and that, that comes from everyone. Everyone plays part in that. See, okay. So I was with you. Uh-oh. I was with Uh-oh. you. I was with you. I was Ooh, like, yes. We hit a Got nerve. it. Got it. And then I was like, ah, not really. Um, yeah, because I just don't sometimes I don't think white people need to be in that space with us. To like to to push it forward, right? I think white people need to have those conversations with white people, you know, and they need to like figure that out. But like we don't, I feel like we don't need them in those spaces to progress forward. I think that they can play a role. I agree with that. There is a role that they have to play in order to really progress and move things forward. But I don't think that their seat needs to needs to be at our table. You know what I'm saying? I don't think there needs to be a, a reserved seat for this one white person who's an ally. I don't think that needs to happen. I think if we know that they're an ally and we have conversations with them outside of those things, like if it's just one on one, then they can learn a lot from us, right? Um, I just don't need. Any, I just don't think they need to have a seat at brunch. Like I don't think they need to be there if they don't. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so let's go past brunch now. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's say that. You, okay, so I, a lot of us, um, like the water cooler, mm-hmm. um, when we have other coworkers who are people of color and right. we resonate with them. At times, we do, you know, have our own separate happy hours, and we mm-hmm. have our little after-work events, you know, right. to talk shit at, about work and what ways we want to support each other and what ways we want things to change. Right. However, at times, there is one person in the so, or one or two people who happen to bring one of the white colleagues, without telling everybody. Um, so in that scenario, because um, sometimes when that happens, that person of color colleague starts to become um excommunicated and then Boop. and that happens and then there's times where they're not excommunicated but then there's kind of this um there's this disarray or there's this level of tension within the group mm. around this individual so my question is have you been through that scenario before um have you seen that scenario and what's your take on um should on if the group decides they don't want people, certain people there, or if they start excommunicating another co- coworker, because then this is now not as social. Right. This is more like people you work with, so there's a right. lot more at stake. Because right. it's like, okay, if I offend someone and they find out we have all these water cooler conversations, all of a sudden now we're all at risk, or my bag is now in in the mix because, or like the tension's getting hot because so and so. 
Invited chat. So-and-so in IT now doesn't fuck with somebody in HR. Right. And someone in sales is like, I'm the mediator right now. Right. And there's a lot of tension going on now between the between um, the people of color at work. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to now shut up and hear what <laughs> have been your experiences in this instance. Has it happened? Has it not? How, what, what, what are your thoughts on it? Hmm. I think that I've uh, – unfortunately for me, I think that I've been um, – you know, working in tech, there there's so few black and brown people to begin with mm. um, that I, I've, I, I can't say I've experienced that situation or observed it, really. Um, not to say that it, it definitely doesn't exist. I'm, I know for a fact it's out there. Um, I think that there is um, there's a tension to tiptoe, you know, in, in spaces where they are you know, toted as inclusive spaces. And I think that that is um, more or less not productive just because what are you tiptoeing around? You know, there's an elephant in the room. You're clearly not addressing the elephant in the room. And if I'm understanding your scenario correctly, you know, we don't want to tell Sally why we don't want to talk to her at the water cooler. (laughs) Why she can't come to the water cooler. Why she can't come to the brunch. And she... She's up to making her own assumptions as to why, you know, she is being left out of the circle. Um, and I'm, I'm not – I'm just a little skeptical of how helpful that is. You know, does she really get it? Does mm. she really know, you know, what truly needs to be course corrected here? Um, and that, I just think, is an opportunity for dialogue and there could be friction. But, you know, friction hopefully leads to, um, you know, something greater on the other side is, is what mm. I'm hopeful of. So let me be clear: no excommunication, but a move for dialogue within whatever the totally whatever uh, the both talk parties. About it. Yeah, because I mean, what is what is she going to do to somebody else? I have to to use a, a, a it's kind of a funny example, but I was literally asked. This is also by a, a POC, but they weren't black. But I was asked directly. I, I forget the exact context in which we were talking, but she asked me, "What is the what is the purpose of the church hats?" I know you guys are both looking at me with blank stares like I don't under- so she was you know I have a lot of family um in the church that are pastors my heart and, got offended and deacons and my grandma got her hat yeah. <laughs> and I just left her house right and I, I I must have been telling a personal story just about you know um my family members and you know right. church on Sunday and she literally asked me what is what is the, the purpose the definition you know of the church hat and I'm like I I can't explain this to you. <laughs> and I think that, you know, this is definitely a, a gripe amongst a lot of black folk is you don't want to have to be, we don't have want to have to educate, you know, white and other POC yes, on wow. what it is to move about the world, you know, as black people. Mm-hmm. And I get that, but there are unfortunately sometimes where people just don't know. And, you know, it's up to you in that moment. Do you want to explain it? Do you want to sit down and have a heart to heart, or do you just want to be like, I, mm-mm, "It's not today." <laughs> okay. And in that moment, it and was it was not today. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I didn't know. I could, I couldn't help her. <laughs> right. So there are some people you can help, and there are some people that you can't help. Mm. But I think it's important to make that distinction because the people who can help boost you are invaluable. They're they're so invaluable. Of course, there's going to be people who aren't aren't here for you. And they're not, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they say, they're not here for you. Um, but it's important to have those people who are. Like, you, we, we need them. We all need them. Yeah. And I remember one thing. Um, I was in college, and one of my professors taught me. Um, when, when it comes to that moment of, like, ooh, like, should – is it now my responsibility to educate you on, like, this on this question, right, on this church hat? Like, <laughs> like people have – that may be – that might be somebody's work, but it's not my work. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't have the energy, girl. Like, I'm tired. Like, I'm not going to sit and explain to you why, like, like the seasonings on my food, why it needs <laughs> to be, like, a certain way. Like, why they, why they need to be seasoned. Like, I'm not going to have, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going don't, to, I don't, I'm, I'm tired, girl. Like, I just want to keep it, I want to keep it going. You know what I'm saying? So... No, Susan, I don't want to explain, <laughs> you know, the church hat situation, and I don't want you to coming to happy hour because right. I see you at work already every day that I don't want to be there. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
and now I got to deal with you at happy hour when I'm trying to be with the girls. Like, come on, come on, girl. And I think that uh, on that note, it's important to, you know, really pick and choose your battles wisely. Right. Um, you know, I'm sure. Hopefully, you guys are familiar with Club Langston in oh, in, yes. um, in Crown still, Heights. My heart. Oh, you know, right yeah. now they are you know needing seventy five thousand dollars to continue to to be open, and you know a lot of POC and black spaces are in jeopardy, Absolutely. and we need you know we we just need mm-hmm. <laughs> more people than just just black folk and just queer folk to to care about them and to embrace them and to uplift them and to fund them to fund them like yes. we need louder the, the dollars <laughs> yes. we need um you know we need we need you know we need the um you know we live in a capitalist society okay the capitalism is very is inherently racist period that, that is exactly why we need people of all sides with their dollars to actually uplift us you know we need you know those opportunities that we've just been shut out of. There's only so much we can do to, you know, create, you know, uh, a, a black-owned, um, you know, vegetable garden in Bed-Stuy. And, you know, that's great. But we need the equity. And, you know, equity, you know, it comes from it comes from so many different places. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, lots of love to Langston's. And I hope that, that I hope that everyone is donating to their, their GoFundMe campaign. So I have a um, little bit of a stir-up question. Yes. So oh, uh, in the example, let's say, and it is true, I think when you do have more folks at the table funding things and as a fundraiser, yes, the diversity of funds really does make a difference. So let's say in the example of a space that is like Afropunk, which has started in becoming more inclusive, mm-hmm. but then the vibe of the event kind of has changed a bit. So it's becoming more mainstream as opposed to um, when it wasn't as mainstream, it was more very black centered, mm-hmm. and it's and a lot of folks who attend the event or have been um, supporters of the event since the beginning have said, "Oh, I do like the way they're upping the performances, but the vibe does feel different because I feel like they're being more they're trying to reach other audiences outside mm-hmm. of mine, and I came here because it was reaching mine." And I think there's different groups that do do that and are open to that. So like, there's some groups that are like, "Oh, we want to take everyone who wants to come," mm-hmm. and then there are groups like, "No, we're afraid that you're." including people is going to change the authenticity of our culture in this group. So um, in the example of like a club Langston's like that, and let's say there's a group, just a group that you meet up with, let's say it's like a book club or something. How would you go about, um, is it like, well, it's okay. We need to sacrifice some of our, some of the culture and maybe get a little more mainstream so that we can have a broader and more successful conversation and narrative or, uh, this is my fine line at at this point. Mm-mm, things are changing way too far. We got to like, we got to shut it down. Like, where are you guys at with that? I think in, in the, if we're talking about Afropunk, right? Like that is something, I think that's such an interesting thing uh, because it was like, first it like started off free and it was really like punk music by black bands. And that was like how it originally started. And now it's gotten bigger. Like, sis, you have Solange, performing SZA SZA okay (laughs) like big names you know what I'm saying and I think that in of itself is is remarkable right to be have that 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 level of notoriety um and I understand where people are coming from so Afropunk is is, it's a little tricky I think that's a tricky one because girl I want to get my life to SZA you know what I'm saying (laughs) like I want you know like if you know if who who I don't even know who's going to be performing this week, um, not this week, this this Afropunk, but you know it's going to be huge. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's really great. And the fashions, <laughs> yes, girl, they and, and and like that's a really beautiful thing to celebrate, like black people in that space, right? But I get what people are also t- um, talking about because the original premise of Afropunk is not it's just not the same. You know what I'm saying? But that doesn't mean that it's not good. Yeah. You know I, I, mean? I was gonna, you know, I'm so glad that Afropunk came up. I, I was hoping somebody would would <laughs> yes. make an example of it um, because I think it's such a unique thing. Um, I love Afropunk. Same. I love going. It's such a vibe. Um, and even though it has shifted in its direction from, you know, 
black punks and mm-hmm. it was free and now we're having you know real headliners that people are interested in paying top dollar for um i still think that at its root it's still amplifying you know poc in, right. in spaces um and i think that you know that is that at its heart makes it so valuable really mm. makes it invaluable right um and you know Come on, I can't wait to see the lineup this year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so you, so you both have agreed that, um, even though the gr- even though the event has become more inclusive, right. and somewhat of the experience has changed, that enough of the core experience has stuck yeah. in, yeah. has stayed with their original mission. So it it's a compromise it's that's yeah. appeasable, and and it, and it's still about us. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's still for us. I think ultimately, at the end of the day, like no matter what, we know that Afropunk is for us. So it's Afro punk, like you know what I'm saying? Like when you walk in, sis, you can be white or whatever or non-black, but you know this what it is. So now I'm going to flip another scenario. Uh-oh. So I don't know if you are both familiar, and this is no shade to the space, mm-hmm. this space, but this is my own opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's still a great space. I think it still serves a ton of people, but in my specific experience as who I am, mm-hmm. um, I'll explain why. So have you both heard of the Rosemont? Yes. Yes. So I was there last week. I was informed that the Rosemont was, is specifically a person of color space, and a friend of mine oh, who's really? a black gay brought me. And it's in Brooklyn. It's in, yeah. um, like, Bushwick, Williamsburg yeah. area. So I've gone before a few times, and, yes, there are people of color in there. Mm-hmm. But culturally, I don't feel as comfortable. And I'm from I'm someone who is mm. from the New York City area. I'm black and Jamaican. Right. I grew up with also Latinos. I walk into that space, and I'm like, yes, there are a lot of people of color in here, right. but half the people in here are white. And I also feel like the space, and then my friend mentioned, like, yeah, the space has actually become more white. It doesn't feel exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And when I walk in there, I don't feel like it's a person of color space. I just ha- think it's a space that just happens to have people of color. Right. It is inclusive in other areas. There are a lot of women. There are a lot of trans folk. Body positivity, it's very inclusive in other fronts, but in people of color, I'm like, I feel like an outsider as a black person in this space. And not because they're not playing hip-hop and all this. It's like, I don't really feel like I see my own people in here. Mm. I think that I'm just, I now have become, and when I walk in that space, like a Grace Jones or a, Na- a Naomi amongst a bunch of um, random white I models. I cannot with you. In the space. <laughs> and I'm just the only one in there. And I'm like, oh, Get out. like I either, I feel like I have to conform to the space versus mm. the space really feeling comfortable for me. Mm. So um, in that scenario, what is this like good because some people may have a different opinion than me and say like well this is a very much more harmonious space now Mm. so this is what the future will look like and for me i'm like i i don't know if i i'm comfortable with that future yet or if i'm ever going to be comfortable with that future Mm. and and that's like similar to somebody saying like the at your at work you're like hey we're going to this thing all the people of color are going to this one event and then you have that white friend that you mad that's your that's your boy. That's your girl. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, do I tell them? Do I not? Mm-hmm. Like Don't about tell this. Them. That's so what yeah, group chats before. <laughs> so okay. so what? So what is um, what is your thoughts on something like in that scenario? And no shade to Rosemont. I think it's a really great establishment. I just feel like I specifically, in my upbringing, my roots, who I am. Right. I feel very much like an outsider when I'm in that space, even though it says it's supposed to be a space for me and. If we're talking about people of color, black is the most extreme of people of color. Okay. Whether we want to say it because our physical features are very distinguishable. Distinguishable. We don't get to walk. We don't have a proximity to whiteness like other mm. other mm. people of color do. Say that one more time. Such a good say that comment. one more time. Uh, Such a good comment. And I think don't. my my you know response to that is we we each need to examine our own relation to whiteness as we do to blackness and you know everybody's experience is going to be different you know you know if you are multiracial or you're biracial you know what what is your relation to walking into a you know predominantly black space or predominantly white space you know we all have our own unique journey is what's a what we feel comfortable with um i think it's important to lean to that discomfort but you know, not everyone's going to be up for that. So I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I, I totally get it. And you know what? The funny thing about the Rosemont, too, like, I, I never thought that, like, it was a POC space. Like, I had no idea. And that's what I was told. I'm, I was I'm like, just, it was? I'm shocked. I mean, I'm like, I see a lot of Asian people, Latino <laughs> yeah. people. I see a lot of ambiguous people. Right. And there's a few sprinkles of black people. But I'm like, half the space is white. Right. And it's very it's, true. And it's very white. Um, And it's like, I feel kind of like, oh. They're not gonna kind of get me. Right. Like, also, if a certain song come on, like if 
if um, good form comes on, Listen. they're going to be looking at me like I'm crazy or Cardi <laughs> comes on. Right. And then the other thing, too, is like there are certain things that I feel, okay, I'm really, I'm really projecting a lot more of myself in this episode than I expected myself to. But let's come to. on. Let's talk about <laughs> but, it. Like, Let it out. I have a certain – I feel sometimes puzzled or um, – it's not uncomfortable or um, – there's not agreeance or disagreeance. There's like a feeling of, I don't know. When I'm at a certain space and you hear that song that's really your people's song. So, like, right. if I hear Money by Cardi B. And, or Back or, That Ass Up by <laughs> Juvenile. Or, or I hear, like, yes. or I hear something by, like, um, Steph London. And then all of a sudden the songs have been remixed to appeal more to white folks. Oh. I, I, The hairs on my back and my arm kind of stick up because I'm like. It'd just be sad. Have you, did you dilute me? <laughs> Like, did you dilute Girl, me? Like, I feel, out. I feel like, I feel like. Well, am I not? Pal- did you just water me down? Yeah, am I not palatable? <laughs> yeah, am I not palatable now? Is it that you just wanted a little bit of me, and now mm. it's like you needed to like dilute me now to make me more acceptable to other people? There's right. a certain feeling I get. Like, was I not enough? Mm. Right. Like, and it's like, uh, and like, I don't know if other. And then I feel like it's really hard because this is a black experience versus like other people of color. Right. They walk a different line. Mm. They're mm-hmm. able to walk in a very different way yeah. in life than black people do. So like they're a little, they may some of them are like, uh, and then some of them are very are always comfortable with it. Right. And it's like, I I'm sorry. I don't know. I, I can't say I can feel comfortable with that because I'm at the extreme. Right. They they want parts of me and then they don't want parts right. of me. And they it's want the hard. parts of you that are non threatening mm-hmm. or that make them feel safe, mm-hmm. right? So that that's what it ultimately comes down to. And it sucks. And it really sucks. But um, but I think that's why that's the purpose of like not just POC space, all POC spaces, but all Black spaces as mm-hmm. well, and all Black queer spaces. Um, I personally think that that's 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 why that's there. You know what I'm saying? Like I go from I'm a six foot two Black man, two hundred pounds. Okay, <laughs> I go from threatening to like sexy and <laughs> in a matter of where the space is like real real rap right like it's totally different like you do got a grace jones type of vibe okay <laughs> yes and when i get this high top fade baby you cannot tell me nothing um <laughs> but i think i think that's that's something that's be said with that right so um and and that's why space is like we, you, you, i feel like you have the rosemont right as as one kind of like POC space that's like, oh, was it POC? I had no idea. But, like, it's very inclusive of, like, a lot of people. So, like, I know that people can always rely on the Rosemont to, like, be able to be themselves and show up. Like, I think that Rosemont does a really good job of that. And then I think of places like Trapier, right, which is predominantly, like, black, yeah, like, gay I would be, space. I would feel afraid to bring someone who's not even Latino. I wouldn't even bring a white Latino Listen. to Trapier. If you're a Latino, if you're like Puerto Rican, Dominican, I would feel comfortable bringing you. But if you're not, but the, there are like, some. But then the rest, I might not feel as comfortable. Right. But then, like the ones that would blend in with us, right. like there are Latino people who blend, like a Cardi B looking Latino, not as she'll blend in, or even right. a J Lo. But then if you have like a <laughs> a Jakira, that necessarily it might be like, oh, I don't feel as comfortable bringing you here because people are gonna stare at me. But like right. then on the other side, if I'm at Eventbrite, I brought white people to Eventbrite, and I felt. Really? I felt fine. Like I, I you sure? I, I think maybe because it's dark in there. <laughs> maybe because it's dark and there's already I so can't. many people, and it's not Your like white to Irish to Puerto Rican when the lights off. I can't. And also, like, I there's can't. like there's a lot of um. I think because it's dark in there, it's not as heavily populated and uh-huh. dense like a um trappy hour. And then mm. it's like you can have your group in the corner. And I think because of that, I felt comfortable because I'm like, ah, I'm really not gonna be. Mm-hmm. How much can these people judge me if they're not that close in proximity and the room is dark? And, like, it's also, like, this event lit. Like, if you're paying for it. But it's, like, I, I think there's also not a fear for me because it's, like, Bryce is not going to change the vibe of the event all because white people show up at all. It's always going to be the same kind of event. So the energy is always going to be matched with the same with mm-hmm. the event. Bryce, so I always feel like it's dominantly black and ratch. I always feel like it's black and ratch no matter what. Like I feel like if I brought 20 white people, he's not changing the culture <laughs> of the event. Oh, no. So I feel comfortable versus like if I'm at trappy hour, I feel like I'm my new, it's you can see everyone. It's on a Thursday night. Love it's trappy like hour. people are still like not as drunk to accept this. Right. So they're coming out of work. So it's like I mean like uh, I can't really bring my white friend or my white 
partner or mm-hmm. my white whatever or even my like other POC partner. Yeah. Like if I have an Asian with me, I might feel kind of funny. Like I don't know if I'm going to be right. treated or stared at a certain type of way. Right. And then you know how the girls say, if you bring one person, they're going to be like, well, you're anti-black mm-hmm. or you have colorism issues mm-hmm. or you or you have self-hatred. It's like, nah, I just be getting along <laughs> with people. Like it's not like that. I swear yeah. to God. Like I'm an equal yeah. opportunist. Like, Can I highlight <laughs> your, your dynamic and, and your experience at going to Trappy Hour, your experience in being at the Rosemont? I feel like there there's something that lies in between. It's like, what story do we want to tell, right? You know, most black people have had their, you know, our history erased from us, or we just simply don't know it. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know how far back I can trace my lineage, you know, certainly not back to the continent. Uh, that's all lost, right? Um, and I think that, um, you know, feeling commoditized is real, but we also take ownership in you know what story we tell, right. and when you're talking about trap hour, like that, that is the that is the the that's the vibe that you're trying to give off. That's like you know, like you said, you're not going to change it for anybody. So right. that's that's something that you can't be encroached right. upon. That's something that you own and to really take ownership of. And I think that with any space, and I, I have a question. This leads into a question. Okay. Um, I think that as POC as Black people. We have to show up. We have to show up in our black spaces, in mm. our black queer spaces. We have to show up for ourselves. But I think that we also have to show up in non-black spaces. And my question to you is, you know, when you talked about going to the Rosemont, you know, when you, I'm not sure if you travel, but if you're thinking about traveling, you're thinking about traveling to, I don't know, a place like, uh, a place like Tulum, which, you mm. know, is, is, beautiful it's, mm-hmm. you know it's all spas but you see it in magazines but you also see a lot of white folk go um okay i want to sit in kiki by the beach with a drink in my hand you know would you show up to those spaces and those environments you know regardless of who else looks like you that's there i definitely have like i love the city of montreal um, but I, I think they're also very inclusive with the culture. So even as white people, they're white people who can dance, and they're white people who like, <laughs> they can, they have rhythm, and they also play hip hop, and they play <laughs> reggae, and they Girl. play other Shout things. Shout out to Trinata, man. I, I love. <laughs> okay, husband. Yeah, mine. Okay, I think Canada is yes. very good at like listening, blending all cultures. So I, if I'm in a room and there's a lot of majority white people, I don't feel uncomfortable because yeah. I'm like, you still respect my culture. You're mm. going to play some things I like to listen to. Girl, You're also know. not going to treat me different. And Canada. Canada. Oh, in the okay. states, <laughs> I Woo, am okay. not feeling that way. <laughs> so I can do it. Um, I think it depends. I think I can't go to a space that is all white people and then all white culture. I think if it's white people there, but there's a blend of all different cultures. Because I'm not really, I'm not Latino, but if I hear like Latino music, I still will vibe with it. And I'm like, I'll, I can appreciate it. And I think if there's a vibe between all these different cultures in one space, but I feel like I'm not watered down at the same time, mm-hmm. I can vibe with that. That's yeah. fine for me. But I think the part I can't do is when it's so dominant in one space and then there, I'm expected to conform and then the space is told it's for me and it's not. So no avocado toast for you. Hell no. no. Get the avocado toast shit out of here. No. <laughs> Unless you bring some Laris or some Tabasco oh, or some Crystal. Yeah. Listen, no. I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like when it comes to, like, those all-white spaces, I just, like, it's just mad uncomfortable. I'll, I'll always show up being black as fuck, like, no matter what. But it's just, like, it would just be way more fun if it wasn't. Like, I mean, I only you know go I mean? to the rise and stuff like that if I know you're <laughs> not there. to the rise. I can't <laughs> with you. I only go to this. I only go to Hell's Kitchen if I know other um, mm. POC gays. Oh, are absolutely. Around. Yeah. I there is a few occasions if I have like one white friend I vibe with, right. we'll go out and we're like, we're gonna just paint the town red. But like for the most part, I'm not coming up there if I know I'm the only one that's gonna be in that space because there's a oh, fear yeah. of. I'm one, I'm not going to feel comfortable. Two, I'm going to be fetishized. Three, okay. I'm so that's like one a little louder. I'm though. also going to have girls people ain't hurt you. fetishized. Uh, right. And then three, I'm going to have people disrespect me. All be, they're going to think I'm lower on the totem pole for some mm. random reason because I don't look like the image of beauty in the space. Mm. So, like, there's a lot. And I don't want to experience my experience in that way if I'm just trying to go to a space and right. decompress. Right. But as a last question to kind of um, loop it up, um, I want to kind of hear from you both two last questions. Okay. <laughs> what is something that you have learned from each other in this short moment as you just met now in this recording? And then what is something you want listeners to leave with? 
Ooh, I'll answer that last question first. Um, I want people to leave with the fact that they're all POC spaces. All POC spaces are important. Period. Um, there are place. There needs to be places for everybody. So there are going to be times where there have been times where my circle of friends, people are like, girl, y'all look like a Benetton ad, like, because we are all like different, sh- literally shades. Sizes, <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, seriously, okay, like that's what we'd be looking like, and so, but we Gotta can taste the rainbow, okay, <laughs> and we can roll into like rise and like hardware and like it's it's fine, right? But there are those days, most days, where like <laughs> once I've had my energy, like once I'm like, ooh, I did two hours of this, I'm like, and it's Friday, time to go to boxers, like time to just go to this all black space, like for a minute and just like get my life. Um, and that they're important. So ideally, just recognize that, like, this is not a trivial conversation, that this is something that really affects us deeply as far as where we can go and show up and be ourselves and, like, love on somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, ooh, okay, so <laughs> I just feel like being a black man, being a black gay man, and then loving another black gay man or wanting to love another another black gay man is, like, uh, it's, 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 seeming, it's political, right? It, there, there's, there's, there's a moment in that. It's very political. You know what I'm saying? To be able to be in a space where you can love on, grab up on, dance on, like enjoy yourself, be yourself in this space, kiss on, you know, get a number of, and be and show up in all of your queerness and blackness in those spaces, right? And be able to leave and be like, I just got my whole fucking life and I want to do it again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think there's something valuable in that. Um, but I have to think about that first question again. So, what you learned from Peter? Yes. No. Okay. I mean, here's the thing. So, I'm I'm learning to be more open as far as like the the white spaces, right, or spaces that are more inclusive of everybody out that are that is black and non-black. Um, I still think it's very to be in those spaces and show up. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what I need to do all the time. Um, And because I'm also the one to be like, Andre, why you why you don't why you bring the white person, Andre? Like, I did not tell you not to do this shit, but I'll be like, okay, well, let's just let's just get our lives and go go forward. But learning from Peter is like, no, like, girl, talk about it. Like, bring it up. Like, rip the bandaid off. Like, Mm -hmm. like, yes, Susan, like this was not for you, but like now you're here. So that's why I'm a little upset. But, you know, but like, I'm not going to let this white person ruin my night either. Like, I'm still going to be black as fuck. I'm still gonna be gay as fuck, so that's what I had learned. <laughs> and thank you, thank you, yes, so, Peter, your turn. Yeah, uh, well, uh, it's. I think this conversation has been great. Um, I think that <clears throat> audiences should hopefully take away that um, you know we as Black people don't exist in a vacuum, um, and yes. so I think that POC and Black spaces are super important. Um, and I just hope that yeah, we we can all show up. You know, regardless of what space that we're in, you know, it's okay to go to those, you know, I need to, I need a break from Susan and Molly and, you know, Henry and Ben and, you know, what, you know, whoever they may be. Right. Um, But also go, you know, you know, put your armor on, go back out there and fight. And it's hard. It's hard out there, but nothing gets done and, you know, without a little bit of conflict. Um, not you know, I'm not insinuating a race war or anything <laughs> like that. Girl, girl. Um, but you know, that. we 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 have to lean into the uncomfortability, and I think that um, to Sean's point, you know, being black is political. I've been to, uh, I've been with my my partner for for six years, and oh I gosh, think that thank you. Um, you know, wherever we show up um, is, you know, we cannot hide our identities. We are two black gay men in a relationship and that's going to you know be a factor whether we're in a white space or a poc space so i just i lean into it Mm. (laughs) i lean into it so that's um that's my my two cents and just to close out what did you learn from sean i learned from sean that that you know just to reinforce that being black is political but i think that um you know i think that POC and black spaces are, you know, they're they're so they're so important. And I think that think I think that it is um I think that there is hesitation 
in in, in there's there's a protection of of you know I want to keep this because it's mine right and I want to keep this because we created it mm-hmm. and because we have so little of it and I I recognize that and I recognize that you know you wanna you wanna take care of it and cradle it and hold it um, and I think that you know. I just I totally get that. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I I felt that from you mm. and I think that that's so real, yeah. so valid. Yeah, because it's ours. Yeah. We ain't got much. <laughs> like let me have let me have this space, girl. <laughs> no, Susan. Yeah. So true. But thank you so much, this girl Susan. Thank you so much. <laughs> Shout out to Susan girl. Susan. All right, yes. Thank you so much for thank you, you both. Yes. Yes. Andre thank you, joining Andre. me. Great sharing your time and having this moment and yeah. I'm really glad we had this and for everyone listening I hope you left with something really valuable and we're going to clock out all right